Our God, we ask that You would speak to us once again in Your Word, that You would show us Your Son, and that You would give us life in Your Spirit. And it's in Your name we pray. Amen. If you haven't been with us these past few weeks, we've been in this series in the Psalms, and what we've been seeing is that the Psalms are these prayers, a collection of prayers that God has given us that in many ways take us by the hand and guide us along a life of faith. As we walk through different types of psalms together, what we see is there are different rhythms or patterns to this life of faith. There is worship. There is gratitude. There is grief at pain and suffering and wrong. There are pleas for help in desperation. And there are simple postures of trust saying, I have nowhere else to go, but I lean on you. And this morning, we're going to highlight another one of those practices, and that is one of returning, of coming back home. Because what what Sean shared just a moment ago was was God working in such a powerful way to bring him back in a new, secure, life-giving kind of way. But as Sean can also tell you, that initial work is something that God continues to do day after day. The, The act of returning is not something that just happens one time in the life of a believer. As we read and pray and live the Psalms, what we see and experience is that returning is a way of life. It's something that God is inviting us to do again and again because the truth is we are very good, all of us, at wandering. And praise God that He is very good at welcoming and seeking and pursuing. And so what what our topic this morning really highlights on is a pattern in us to hide in the dark. It's it's trying to, to break something inside of us, this this pattern of hiding in the dark, and it's inviting us to live in the light. And so here's where I want us to go this morning. We're going we're to look at the problem. We're going to look at a, the deeper problem underneath. We're going to look at the solution, what it means for us. So problem, deeper problem, solution, what it means for us. As the author of this psalm brings about this confession, there, there aren't grisly details that are, that are included in there. We, our culture seems to have a love for TMZ. Uh, we love these details about what's going on in, in people's lives in very specific ways. And what we're given here is some generalities that invite us to they invite us to put our own lives in this story. They invite us to walk through this together in our own way. And the first problem that we're presented with is is given in three different words that are all related but they're they're different sides of the same problem. They are iniquity, they are transgression, and they are sin. Words, if you've been around the church long enough, you've probably heard all of these. 
in some type of way. So when you think of iniquity, all of these are English words that we've tried to best describe what's going on in the Hebrew. So when you think about iniquity, think about unequal. Think about something being off. Something is not right. What this is trying to communicate is that inside of us, something is out of sort. Something is off balance. We, we love the things that we shouldn't love. The things that we should love, we don't care about. Or there are good things that we love in the wrong kind of way. There's, there's an offness inside of our hearts that plays out in countless ways. Transgression is another way to describe what happens when you take a two-year-old, you point out an electrical socket and you say, don't touch this. And you walk away and immediately you turn back and you see bright eyes heading straight for this socket, possible new experience that's going to happen. Transgression is stepping over some type of clear boundary that has been set up for our good. God has, has given us clear guidance and it's simply us saying, no, thank you. I think I know better and I'm going to go my own way. The, the last word that's used is the one that we talk about most often and that is sin. And, and behind sin is really a, a picture and it's a picture of missing the mark. And so you find yourself 10 yards away from a giant target and there's a bullseye in the middle. You aim for it and what you find hitting is the tree that's 30, year, 30 yards back, 20 feet to the left. It's, it's being so far off the mark that you are trying to go for. It's missing the mark with your life. Your thoughts, your words, your desires, your actions. But we live in a strange cultural moment, and I don't think it's that different from other, other moments. But our, our culture has this strange kind of love-hate relationship with sin. And, and I'll explain it this way. So my, my kids love to watch this guy named Mark Rober on YouTube. So uh, former NASA engineer uh, has his own YouTube channel. will do all sorts of neat experiments that are very kid friendly um, and enjoyable to watch. So one of the projects that uh, he, came, he worked on was he wanted to come up with a dartboard where every time you threw a dart, it would land on bullseye. Every time. So he loved, he's like, here's a problem. Is it something that we can solve and something that we can uh, come up with something really cool? And so what they did was they combined cameras, sensors, all sorts of complicated algorithms and these small motors uh, to get to a point where when you would throw a dart, sensors, cameras would pick up on it and within space, uh, milliseconds, this dartboard would begin to move. So your dart, wherever you would throw it in this general area, would automatically land on the bullseye. And I was thinking about that picture and, and this idea of sin being something that misses the mark. And 
And that captures one of our culture's kind of approaches to this idea of sin. Of, of it's kind of like wherever you want to throw your dart, it's bullseye. Kind of you do you. Uh, whatever you choose to love, whatever you choose to value, however you choose to live, uh, that's not only something that I need to respect, but it's also something that I need to affirm and encourage and celebrate. So do you see how that, that works, that one perspective of this, hey, we want to, whatever you're throwing out there, we think you're awesome and we think it's a bullseye. There's another kind of story where another side to our culture, I guess, where when I turn on the news in the morning and and whatever news outlet you want to turn on, um, I don't hear a lot of stories of of anchors looking at different people and saying, oh, that's what you're doing is great. What you're choosing is great. I'm hearing a lot of anger. A lot of what I what I think you is doing is you're doing is wrong against what is the good of society. And so our, our culture is a little bit like Jekyll and Hyde. If you've ever read that book or familiar with it, like on one side, we're kind of the altruistic doctor that thinks everything is great and is helping everybody. And on the other side, we're kind of the demented killer that uh, is out for blood and is out for vengeance. When Jesus is asked what's most important, His answer is very clear and simple. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, your neighbor as yourselves. Jesus says, this is the bullseye. None of us make it. And so that's getting into what our problem is. But there beneath that problem, however, whatever word you want to use, there is a a deeper problem. It's not just that there is transgression or iniquity or or sin it's it's that we take these things and we hold on to them we take these things and we hide them it's not just that we have wandered away from what is home and what is life it's that in our heart of hearts we don't want to go back there there's something about living in the dark that is comfortable familiar and safe. Go all the way back to the beginning of Scripture and how our troubles all began. Here's here's what happens after humanity chooses to go their own way. It says, The eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked and so they sewed fig leaves together. They made coverings for themselves and the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called out, where are you? And he answered, I heard and I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. In order for mold to grow, it needs it needs certain conditions damp conditions, dark conditions. And it's in these conditions that it grows and spreads and gains strength and thrives. Sin is a very similar organism, you could say. It needs certain conditions to grow, to gain strength, to thrive, to exercise control. Those conditions are very similar. It is darkness. Away from the light, away from community away from relationship, away from God, where hidden, where we think it is being contained, 
is actually the very place where it is growing and gaining strength and exercising more control and power than we could ever think. I, uh, so I have a pastor's group that these are three other guys that are very close friends and we walk through life together. We share joys, we share burdens. It's a group that I try to be completely transparent with and they do as well. Uh, because we know personally and we've learned the hard way that one of the easiest ways to shipwreck your life and your ministry as a pastor is to have these deep secrets. And so every January, apart from kind of our normal time hanging out together, we'll go on these retreats where a big part of our time is devoted in one of us sitting in what we call the hot seat. And that's where you share updates on your life. You share what's going on with church, work, family, marriage, kids, friends. And they ask questions. They pursue. And it was this past year where where I don't know if I was sharing or someone else was sharing, but one of the others asked this kind of final follow-up question after, after kind of everything had been put on the table. The question was, what, is there anything that you are hesitant or deciding whether or not you're going to tell us? And it was kind of that moment where we, it's, it's, we all had those things inside of us where it's like, should I say this or should I not? And, you know, maybe I don't want to go there. Maybe I don't need to. Maybe it'll ruin the weekend or who knows how they'll respond. And so we're all in this same spot of, of, well, maybe I'll just hold it in. And that that question opened doors for us that had never been opened before. We began to, to share things about our present, about our about our past that created connection, that created new experiences of grace and words of comfort and help and support. And what it, what it revealed to me in that moment was we all have this deep tendency to hide. I don't care who you are. It's, it's part of not how we are made, but where we have gone. And, and, Bringing things out into the light is this pathway of joy. I think about what Jesus said. He said, this is the verdict. Lights come into the world, but people, they loved darkness instead of the light. And that's just not those people out there. That's inside us as well. Love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. But everyone who does evil hates the light and won't come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed think about the garden the covering we can make fun of these leaves and what they're trying to do but they are trying to solve a deep existential spiritual problem it's not about clothes it's about the sense of shame it's about a sense of uneasiness and guilt that is trying to be covered up and hidden and their story is our story when you think about your own life, what, what are you hiding? What are you hiding from yourself? Uh, what are you hiding from your spouse? What are you hiding from your friends who think you're being honest with them? What are you hiding from God? There's an invitation 
to step into the light. This brings us to our solution. I love how Sean described God's pursuit. Even in such a hard situation, God's truth and grace coming out of such an unexpected place, an unexpected messenger. I think about even my own story in high school of my own coming to faith. And as I began to read my Bible more, um, not super familiar with, with church and what was in the Bible, but God began to, to press in on me some different areas that I was holding on to. And it became more clear to me that these are things that I needed to let go of. But the more he pressed in, the more I held on to it just with this tight fist. And, and I think about verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. We can hear those words and think this is God just being really ticked off. He's looking at you and saying, I can't believe you did this and I'm going to make you feel the full weight of it. I'm going to push my hand heavy against it until you're so sad or sorry that you did it that you'll turn a different way. That's not what's happening here. This pressing in hand is one of power, yes, but one of grace and mercy to say this will not work. And sometimes if you won't let go of this, I will crush this because I love you so much and I cannot let you as the person that I love just walk away and be stuck in this. We will not come out of the darkness unless two things are true. Okay? We will not take any steps out of whatever darkness, whatever we're hiding, unless two things are true. The first, we believe with confidence that it's better for us to get out of the dark and into the light. Second, we will not step out unless we believe that it's safe. That when being honest, when being exposed, when being vulnerable, that what we will experience is not rejection, but welcome and grace and salvation. Verses 8 and 9. I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding that has to be curbed with, with a bridle. God's saying, I'm leading you in the way of life. Listen to me. And Jesus himself is saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. And I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Look at how the psalm ends in verse 10 and 11. It, it, it presents two different outcomes. There is one of turning away from God that is full of sorrow. And there is one of resting in his steadfast love that is one of rejoicing and gladness and shouting for joy. Jesus all over the Gospels is making promises and invitations to try to convince us that his way is better and that he is better. And the question we simply face is, will we believe him? And the cost of discipleship, of coming out, is a cost of letting go of something 
in order to embrace something better. And no one can make that choice for you. It's something that is put in your hands. The other problem that we face is, is it safe if we come out? When I was working uh, at a local counseling practice as a, a private counselor, before a client would come in, you have to sign these forms and their HIPAA agreements. And what that does basically is it creates this wall that when, when somebody comes in and begins to share their life with me, whatever they shared, even the fact that I'm meeting with them, cannot go beyond these airtight walls. And one of the reasons why these people sitting four feet away from me can be so honest and open, sharing details of their lives with me that they don't share with anybody else is because they know it is a safe place. They know that they have, they have laws on their side that protect them, that whatever they share cannot come back to haunt them in any way. And I'm not their close friend or family, and so oftentimes they don't care what I think anyways. The only way that we will be honest and open, not only with one another, but with God about what's really going on inside of us, what we really struggle with, is if there is confidence on our part that if, if we let him feel the full weight of who we really are, that we won't get dropped, that we won't get crushed, that we won't get left behind, that we won't get rejected, but that we will be welcomed, that we will be embraced, that we will be forgiven. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. As I was sitting in this psalm just personally, this was the most encouraging part to me. I can even... In, I can easily fall into these kind of religious tendencies that says, blessed are those who have it all together. Blessed are those who haven't messed up too bad this week. Blessed are those who have prayed and read their Bibles and been kind to their spouses. Blessed are those who are great dads. Blessed are those who are doing well in life. And that message can be crushing to me because that is often not my reality. I can see areas where it's just a struggle. And when I heard these words, again, it was, it was just like water on thirsty ground. It was good news. It says, no, this, remember blessedness in Scripture is one of these big words that describes abundance and flourishing and life. And God is saying, actually, blessed are those, yeah, who have messed up. Blessed are those who don't have it together. Blessed are those who have sinned greatly, but who come to me. This is the way of life. When Paul was describing the heart of the gospel in his famous letter to the Romans, this is the psalm that he quotes from. And I'm going to Read it from the NLT here because I like the way it reads. He says, when people work, their wages aren't a gift, it's something they've earned. 
But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in the God who forgives sinners. David says this same thing when he describes the happiness of those who are declared righteous in the right without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sins. This is the gospel. Our sins will not be counted against us because they have been counted on Jesus. That's the hope of the cross. Finally, and briefly, what it means for us. It means that our biggest problem in life is not our sin. It's our refusal to come home. It's not that we're too bad or too lost. It's that we don't believe we can come back. It's we don't trust in mercy. It's that we hide in the darkness. It means that the way of life is not holding on and holding in and hiding away, but in letting go and opening up. And I don't know what that might look like for you. It means that the church, our family together, is not meant to embody the self-righteousness of the Pharisee that Kim read about in our gospel lesson, but that we are to embody this humble faith of the tax collector who looked at the Lord and simply said, God, have mercy on me. It means that the church, we are not a museum of saints who have it all together, but we are a hospital of broken sinners. It means that we're all faced with a simple choice. In life and every day, will I hide from God or will I hide in God? Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time you may be found because in the great rush of waters, these waters will not reach you. Why? You are a hiding place for me. That is the safest place to hide. The safest place to hide our sin is not in here, but it's in God himself. You preserve me with shouts You preserve me from trouble and you surround me with shouts of deliverance. Um, That's my hope for us as a church. That we be this kind of people that aren't pretentious, that aren't arrogant, that don't pretend like we have everything together and give off that vibe to everyone else, but that we are a church that is welcoming, that says, hey, we are a hot mess. Come on in. We know Jesus who seems for some strange reason to love hot messes. He died for hot messes. We're going to mess up along the way. Journey with us. This is the gospel and the Psalms are showing us the way. Let's walk together by faith, living in this good news. Let's pray.